I love dogs. I love dogs, too. Glad we're all on the same page. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Sarah Andreco Show. Awesome. Okay, so... Um, what I'd love to talk about uh, and kind of help our veterinary community with is, so when we're talking about client education, it's really difficult to get important information out there that can prevent a lot of illness, a lot of disease, pain, you know, aging processes, dementia. There's all this like client education that's so important for prevention that we could get out there, but it's boring. Nobody wants to look at it. Nobody wants to read the articles that you post in your newsletter that you send out. They want to see the cute little photos. So, you know, clinics, they post that cute little photo on social media, they get 300 likes, and then they put something educational out and it's like, (laughs) so um, given kind of what you do and that you have a knack for entertaining people and having fun with important information, I'm hoping that you might be able to kind of shed some light as to how um, clinics can can use social media platforms like you do, like TikTok and Instagram, to get important information out there without um, boring people, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it definitely helps out a lot because, um, as you all know, most of our clients now are in the millennial phase. I think it's Generation X or Z now at this point that has so many patients right now. And they all have social media, some social media platform. And I've learned that most of them that I send home with either something to read, um, typically they don't understand it or they don't understand the lingo. You have to break things a little bit further down for them. But I've also noticed that since I've had social media, majority, a lot of my clients that I do see um, come from those platforms and they've seen my videos, they've known my videos, and they've learned so much more information throughout that process. So it's something that's helped me become one, a little bit more of a better veterinarian in practice to try to educate those clients and get that information out there more in a virtual setting um, versus just on paper. So I try to talk about topics such as like things most patients, well, clients don't know about things like simple as leptospirosis. So just yeah. them understanding that, the importance, the risk. Um, so many of my clients come in that have no idea of what that even is. And then, you know, I can just show them a video and they're like, oh, well, if I would have known about this like five, six years ago, then I definitely would have made sure my pets were vaccinated. Um, but if you just give them a handout half the time, that doesn't even make it out the door, you know, with them. And then they still come back in the next time. And yeah, they heard about it, but they still have no clue of what they were even talking about to begin with. So and definitely for me, my purpose is just trying to find a way to incoordinate, you know, important information to clients to be able to get that information a little bit better and understanding it to them mentally. Um, just because I feel like they will, you know, retain that a little bit better than just something that you give to them as a handout. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially the way that people are, <clears throat> the younger generations are kind of consuming information now too. Um, it used to be the handout is great. You got this PDF, yes. it explains everything, it breaks it down and you go home and you do your reading homework and you're like, oh, okay, I know what's going on. Um, and people just don't, have that attention span anymore. So if you can show them a quick video, like this is what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, okay. And, you know, doing it in concise, short um, bursts of information that are hitting the highlights, the important pieces is going to keep them obviously more engaged with that information. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of having your handout library, like in the iPad in the, in the, in the room, like here's our leptospirosis (laughs) video. Here's how to express anal glands. Here's what nail trimming is. (laughs) 
your heartworm disease is not in the GI tract and deworming them is not going to prevent, exactly. <laughs> prevent heartworm disease. Like all those common things that no one knows about, right? Just flip through these TikTok videos. Exactly. And you'll get a great education while you're waiting <laughs> and you won't be mad that we're 10 minutes behind. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, the other thing too, I noticed is that um, there's a lot of great uh, videos out there. You give technicians and assistants and um, other vets a lot of props. And I love that you're kind of highlighting the importance of veterinary nurses, veterinary technicians and assistants and their skills, like what they bring to the table with anesthesia and sedation. And um, for pet parents out there that follow your channel or watch you, I think that highlights their skills and their abilities as well. So, I mean, because oftentimes I know that uh, you get some of those clients that are like, why am I talking to you? Why am I, Why do I have a filter of the technician or the assistant or the nurse? Why am I not just talking right to the doctor? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. So I love that you highlight the importance of, um, you know, the, the jobs of the technicians out there too, and make that easier for people to understand. Yes, it's definitely great just because I've been through mostly all those positions. So I started out in the kennel. Um, so I know exactly how that feels. Um, I've been a vet assistant seven and a half years. I never went to tech school. So as I tell everybody, I would never classify myself as a tech. Um, I definitely do the same, some of the same procedures, some that I can't do um, when I was an assistant, but definitely I give them their recognition that they deserve, even the ones I work with. Um, I definitely appreciate each and every one of them a bit individually overall. And even the doctors, you know, definitely I try to, you know, correlate everybody's aspect just to give everybody recognition, even the receptionists who, you know, get the burn of really everything because that's coming in. So I just try to make sure everybody knows in the community, you know, what everybody does, how important everybody is to keep everybody together. Because, you know, if we're, you know, broken apart, not working together, um, that's where a lot of complications and things happen. But if, you know, we can unify, join ourselves together and understand what everybody's doing behind the scenes, um, it gives clients a better understanding of what actually is going on, why you may be waiting a little bit longer, um, why things may seem to be going around a little bit slower before we got to them. So I feel like it just gives them a little better insight of what's actually happening all when we say it's, it's critical in the back. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's, it really does take the whole team. I mean, from the front all the way through the back to be that kind of cohesive unit to where you're supporting each other and supporting each other's positions. Because I mean, it, it's, it, it always, it always makes it very real how much you need each other when, you know, um, your one of your front desk staff calls out and you have to answer the phones and you have to be the first line of defense when the clients call, whether they're excited, whether they want to talk your ear off and tell you every life story, or they're really pissed off or whatever the case may be. So, you know, from someone in the back that has to take up front or from someone in the front, because you're, you know, low on hands has to go in the back and try to be an assistant, even though they're not trained as one. So sometimes you learn just how much you need each other and, and, um, and events like that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, there's a girl on TikTok and I can't remember what her name is. And I'm, cause I'm horrible with names, but, um, she served as a front desk staff member and, um, previously she's not currently working in the veterinary industry anymore. And it, she does all videos based on what she really wanted to say when people came in <laughs> and like, this is what, what we're really thinking not what I said to you on the fly live, right? And the difference is, is to me, it's hysterical, you know, to somebody that doesn't know the industry, they're like, what, really? Like that's, oh, okay, you know? 
But she is, this, I'll, have to, I'll have to find her stuff and send it to you if you haven't seen her. She's hysterical. And she holds the most serious face while she's yeah. saying the things that she really wants. You know, it's like, yeah. but mm -hmm, it's pretty funny. So what are some thoughts you have on how, you know, your average clinic that you serve relief at? And I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about the one in, in Gastonia with the paper records. And I'm like, yes. so them, for example, right? Yes. They might not have a lot of uh, technological experience, a lot of experience on digital platforms if they're mm -hmm. still using paper records. So that'd be a great example. So for someone that's trying to advance and get information out there to the public, what would you do in a sitting like that? Say they said, you know what? Today, you're not on relief shift. Today, you're on help us learn how to utilize social platforms to get client education out there. Yeah, definitely. And I've, that's one of the main places. It's, it's kind of weird because they do, I spend a lot of my time as relief at that location, which I thought when I first went there, I was not going to really like it. I thought first day, this was it. Um, but actually on my schedule, I go there more than I go anywhere else because I really like it. <laughs> Which I hate paper records, but I've gotten used to it now. So, yeah. but I use a lot of, um, especially like my radiographs. I use the Alpine a lot to show clients, you know, what we actually took for images and explain it a lot better because I feel like they retain a lot more versus me just going in there telling them things um, and actually seeing what I'm talking about. My lab work, which I've always done with clients, um, I show them visuals, so I go over showing them what I'm actually talking about so they can follow with me. Um, and then that way, ask questions that route. Um, but then also, I do utilize videos, too, as well. It's, it's something I've already made one about. So when I was talking about Lepto, I had already talked about um, one video that I had made about it. And it was a younger couple. So I just played them that video so they could understand a little bit and then just get them to reiterate to make sure we're on the same page at the end to see if I need to clear up, clear up anything. Because, I mean, we do have brochures, but I feel like me giving them one of those is probably not going to be that beneficial. But I try to utilize as much technology as the place has overall. But then if there's something that I've already created and made, I just utilize that to show as well also for follow-up. Gotcha. And do you, um, would you say that for some, for a clinic or a hospital that's trying to um, like maybe designate a person to get more out there socially, how often do you think they should be really posting to try to get their audiences up to where they're actually going to make a bigger impact in terms of what they're putting out there? I figure definitely at least once to at least at minimum twice a week, um, definitely to get information out there. I feel like once you start doing or going less, probably like once a week, um, with the algorithms and how they work, you definitely get flooded out with all other advertisements and everything. So definitely, I say if you could do at least twice a week would be great. Um, typically, I really watch how my algorithms work too as well. So during the week, mostly that's when my follow count or my views are pretty high, um, typically Monday through Wednesday. Weekends are pretty low because, you know, everybody's really um, out doing things, enjoying family. It's really not a work week. Um, so I really don't post or try to utilize any really important information on my weekend days if I'm going to post something just because I feel my um, the people that I'm actually um, trying to reach are typically during the beginnings of the week. So most of my informative posts are going to be Monday through Wednesday. Um, typically Thursday through the weekends are just things that either, you know, I learned about, I saw um, patients, my patient pictures. Um, so it definitely fluctuates throughout the week. But I feel once you see how your days and throughout the week flow, 
it helps determine what's going to be great content to post on those days to get a better feedback um, and response from your actual um, um, followers that you have. Do you use any um, type of tracking platforms or you just use the the insights that are available <clears throat> on the um, like business Instagram or yeah, as a business Yeah, I just profile? use my business insights from my Instagram posts and my TikTok posts. Yeah, so nothing fancy. I mean, anybody yeah. can, anybody, any clinic can do that that wants to kind of get something started up. Exactly. For sure. And, you know, one of the things that, um, so there was a, there's a, a private practice clinic in um, North Carolina that I'll have to hook you up with. They're, you would love them. They're great. And they use relief doctors, but side note. Um, <laughs> but I was trying to help them kind of get their social media presence up and going and get more out there. And mm -hmm. it was one of those things where initially it started off with, oh, oh, but we've got to, we got to have the right caption and, and the picture has to be right. And we've got to mm -hmm. do this. And I'm like, you don't have a big enough audience for all of that to really matter. Yeah. Just get the information out there. Just get the posts going, just mm -hmm. start building it up. So, yes. um, I feel like sometimes too, if people can just let go of that, you know, you don't want to put junk out there. Like if it's a really yes. bad picture, don't post it. But, exactly. um, often the, the staff or the person posting is more critical of said post and you'd be surprised what kind of blows up and what gets, gets attention. So just put it out there. If yes. Fluffy came in for a visit and, you know, you're talking about, you know, mast cell tumors, take a picture of that mast cell tumor, take a picture of Fluffy's happy little face getting a lick of peanut butter. And yeah. what is a mast cell tumor? Boom, yes. done. Um, you know, keep it, keep it kind of simple for the most part. Would you agree that that's yes. kind of, I feel like the most simple if you keep it simple, that's going to get you the most out of that post. Um, but then also get you a lot of what I really love is the engagement. So hearing people talk back to me to feel like, what did you do during this? Like, how did you treat this? Um, or they're giving me insight of, you know, they had something like that occur. So previously, I just had a dog come in. We don't even know what happened. Animal can control brought them to me and the whole side of the foot was opened up. Um, had some wounds on their neck and um, they were trying to find out who the owner was and whatnot, but I couldn't really do that much until animal control let me know what I could do. So I basically just cleaned up the wound, bandaged it with some honey dressing, did it like a, a went to dry bandage there and then plan to change it in 24 hours. Um, but then Hearing like what other people, once they saw it, they were like, oh, I would have done the same thing. And then some were asking about, you know, did you want to suture in and whatnot? And I was like, well, I don't even know how long it's been there. The skin looks like it might die off. So I didn't want to, you know, close up anything at that point um, or asking about dreams. So it just helps determine like what other individuals would do during that concept. So at least, you know, you know what you could have done, what you probably wouldn't have done. Um, it just helps out a lot. So I love the engagement that you get from very short posts. Um, long ones that you typically do, they can get a little bit, um, a lot of content can get missing because once things get too wordy, uh, people just start basically just skimming through just to find out the highlight information that they really need um, versus if it's something short and sweet, that gives them the insight to come contact you to figure out what's going on. And it's better engagement on that aspect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's something that I struggle with immensely because I'm I'm a very wordy individual. I'm going to give you a sentence that's 20 words instead of five. So um, it's it's hard because you're like, I just want to give you all of the information because it's so important. I want to get it all out there, but you you lose them. So it's like, exactly. let me give you little teasers and pieces and kind of help you build it. Yes. But then you've got these people out there that are like, well, that's not always the case. And that's not exactly it. You know, exactly. it kind of reminds me of your that's just yes. tips video because it's like, 
Ugh, yes, yeah. there's an and, but I'm not going to make a novel out of this post to explain every single little thing that, you know, is going on here or might yes. be like, so you just, there's no winning, exactly. no winning at all. But I totally agree. It's like just short little bits, keep it concise, ignore the people that are like, yes. well, you didn't explain everything. No kidding. Yes, I am aware. Yes. <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of hospitals fear that though, too, that like, oh, if I post this, yes. you know, what's, what's you know, Mrs. Havacamp going to say, or what's Fluffy's mom, you know, whatever yes. the case may be, but it's like, you gotta let go of that. Yes. People are going to hate you. People are going to love you. Yes. If you put yourself on social, you're going to get it. Like that's all there is to it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You kind of got to roll. And I love, like, I have a lot of clients that's when I would, the practice I was at for the last two years before I went to relief, a lot of my clients actually went there and found me through TikTok. Mm -hmm. And, but like now since I do relief, they're constantly messaging me, trying to figure out what hospital I will be at so they can actually go there so they can at least see me because it's been so long. Um, but definitely, I love them. That's the biggest thing. I mean, the platform, it can definitely make you or break you. And I feel like overall, they definitely made me to be a better veterinarian overall. Um, and I definitely love the clients that I've gained just through my social media platforms. Yeah, I can see that being really lucrative for the hospitals that you work for. I mean, you're br bringing business directly yeah. to them because you're there. Like yes. that's... You're gonna have to up increase those uh relief fees. <laughs> <laughs> Our celebrity relief fed is on site today, to... so we're gonna charge an extra yeah. hundred dollars for everybody walking. No, I'm just I'm totally kidding. I'm gonna get those comments. See, I told you those vets were out to get your money. No, just totally kidding. <laughs> yes. So um let me ask you this. So I'm just curious from your your kind of um your personal timeline anyway, this doesn't really have much to do with social media. Um, I'll ask you more about that in a minute, but you did an internship in emergency and surgery. And I noticed that you want to do a residency in dermatology too, which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. You're getting like this super amazing, well-rounded like education and experience, but um, how does relief play into that? And kind of what are your plans moving forward? Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of been on the back burner now at this point. Um, I definitely still have interest in it. But as you all know, once you go from being an associate or relief, and then you go back to doing residency, mm. your salary is going to drop very, very, very drastically. So I'm still on the verge of discussing with that. The good thing about it is, is um, even if I don't pursue dermatology, and I still have a love for it, um, I'm still getting the cases that I like to see. Um, so definitely, I'm still, everywhere I go up, Skin's not going anywhere. Yeah. So I still get a lot of skin cases overall. Um, so I'm definitely still, you know, keeping up my skills for what I need to do. But then also I still keep up with my research as well as, you know, since, you know, science does change and, you know, skin does change too as well. Just trying to stay well-rounded and, you know, new formulations, new medications that are coming out. I just try to stay up to date as possible on those to, you know, just give my patients the best care during those timeframes too. So um, each clinic's right now is a little bit different. Um, so Gaston, where I spend a lot of my time, I see so much skin there. So that's where I get most of my um, ear cytology, skin scrapes, everything there overall, where some of the other clinics um, I may see, which I'm surprised, one or two a day. Um, whereas when I was in um, doing my internship or an associate after at that clinic, it was like every other case that I had was a skin wow. case. So, um, it's definitely wherever you're at is totally different. Um, but I'm glad I still get to do what I still love overall. Um, 
especially even the clinicians that I work with, if it's something that they really don't want to deal with or don't want to see a skin case and it's a new patient, they'll want to switch with me. If they, if I have a puppy and they have a skin yeah. case, yes. I'll give them my puppy. <laughs> I'll take this. Who trades puppies for skin <laughs> cases, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. So we'll just flip flop and just make it all work. So everybody's happy. I love it. That's great. <laughs> That's, I used to be that way with C-sections and anytime you say the word C-section, everybody wants to run. And I was like, I'm in, I'm in, call me in. Yeah. Like, I love them. I absolutely yeah. love, love them. And it's, so that's funny. I would trade a puppy for a C-section or, or, or anything else for a C-section. So have you, um, give me a neuter and a, you what? Give me a neuter and a spay and I'm fine, but a C-section, I'll do it, but I'll see if anybody else wants right? it first. <laughs> Come on, we got this stuff. We got this. It's great. It's going to be so much fun. And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> this dog's been bred six times. It's an English bulldog. Its uterus is torn and yes. it should have never been bred in the yes. first place. And I have to figure out how to put this thing exactly. back together. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of germ vets, have you, do you, do you follow, um, uh, Ashley Bourgeois, I think is her name. It's yes. yeah. She's yes. amazing. I love the stuff that she posts. I've had her oh. on the podcast before too, but, um, her skin, oh, okay. oh, she gets some good crusty ones for you. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah, great. I love her. I love her post that she Yeah, does. good education out there. And she puts it out just in really, again, digestible pieces that, you know, that are kind of fun to pick up and learn and think about and get your brain in gear. Yeah, she's even one that I like it for something that looks weird to me. I'll go on her post to see if it's something that she's already posted about so I can see, yeah. look back to see if it's something that's going to help me decipher what may be going on. Yeah. I mean, I love all the collaboration too, like the stuff that you put out and she puts out and, um, you know, emergency critical ver- uh, vet, I follow her. She's fantastic. But all of this stuff that like, it really elevates the whole field. I mean, this wasn't mm-hmm. available 20 years ago to where you could yeah. check in with that. You've got like a book and you've got the inter- like veterinary information network, like that's your, yes. your go-to, but now you have mm-hmm. so many other sources with these experts in these different areas that you can kind of bounce back and forth. And that just, seriously elevates everybody. I mean, yes. it's one thing to, you know, have fun with continuing education and do that every year, but the amount of education that you just get from all of these, all of these people that are just putting it out there, you know, like you yes. and like she is just so that everyone else can consume that information and use it as well. I, I, I love it. It's such a, a different time now than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, where we just didn't have access to all of that. Exactly. So I, I imagine that um, doing an emergency um, and surgery internship probably really helped prepare you for relief, given that you like never know what to expect. You know, it's like, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of one of your posts that you did on TikTok where it's like, um, I think it was like July 4th or something. It's like GDV, 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 yeah. foreign body, foreign body, foreign body, foreign body, you know, and then you can throw in the full moon in there somewhere too. And then the next day it's like crickets, you know, you're like, yeah. and then it's, you know to the wall again. So, um, but do you think that, um, that kind of helped you a little bit in terms of, you know, preparing for doing straight relief work? Yes. I definitely say it helped me. I would say 110% at this point, um, because how our internship worked, we didn't go by weeks or by month. It was basically every day. It was something different. So you may be on general practice Monday, Emergency Tuesday, Wednesday, surgery Thursday, and then all Friday, Saturday. Um, we all had to do um, a weekend of overnight. So Friday, we would come in at 7, no, we'll come in at 5.30 at night, and then we would not get off until 7.30 Saturday morning. So it was like that shift all the way through. Um, so 
that prepared me definitely for anything emergent that would come in. Now, typically, a lot of stuff that came in was like regular GP stuff. So I was super happy when those came in because it was something I could handle. But when you have, you know, a laryngeal paralysis, then you have a block cat, and then you have a GDV come in all back to back. It's like, plus all the hospitalized patients that you already have, my anxiety would go straight through the roof. And uh, I'm the type of person I can, I can, I'm a very direct individual. So if I have one patient, I can focus on that one patient. But if everybody else is doing great in the back, I'm happy. But when you have me three things at one time, I will typically freeze up really bad <laughs> because I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know how to think right now because it's so much going on and everybody's critical and I don't even know where to start. So that definitely helped me during that first year on, you know, even when I started having my associates and I would have like back-to-back patients come in that were critical. It was a lot more rapid. Things clicked a lot more faster, like what I need to do, how I need to intervene. And then now that I'm relief, especially working in Gaston and you have no clue what's going to come in. Um, It's the same thing. It's just very rapid where, oh, this is a hemoabdomen. This is what I got to do. This is what we need to do. This one we need to jump on. Oh, this is um, a stuck puppy. She needs a C-section. Okay, this is what we need to do. It's, It's more rapid pace and I see myself not freezing up, which is a great thing. But I feel like if I did not have that internship to grasp on and if I went straight into relief, especially going straight to Gaston for relief, I probably would be very stressed and overwhelmed at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So now you found like a happy balance where it's not like crazy yes. all the time, but you know how to handle kind of the crazy stuff as it comes in. You're right. Yes. I, I bet you get a lot of fun, crazy things. Gaston County. Yes. <laughs> I live in Gaston County. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so surprised coming from East Charlotte and then going to Gaston. Yeah. I was like, this is definitely two different areas. Bit of a different. It's, it's like a different world in guess it, it is. It is, definitely. Yeah, because I lived in and around Charlotte most, you know, for the past, I don't know, 15 years or whatever. And then, yeah, when we moved to Belmont, I was like, hmm, okay, it's different. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Keeps you on your toes, for sure. It, it definitely does. I mean, you're right, because it's like you can get anything from, you know, my dog chipped its nails and I'm having a panic attack because it chipped its little nail and it's never chipped its nail before to, well, I got shot six days ago and all of a sudden it's not really eating much. So I don't know, you know, it's like, that sounds about my day. (laughs) (laughs) Anything, um, so you, how many hospitals are you rotating through? Um, I've been to eight. So far, um, it's only out of the eight, there's only one that I just really not going to go back to um, just due to how the clinic functions. But um, definitely the other seven that I've been to, I really like. I love being, it can be kind of hectic just trying to keep up with how each clinic does things. But once you've been there multiple times, you catch on a lot quicker. It's more so just the software trying to get used to, because everybody's different. You have Cornerstone, you have Easy Vet, you have Inspire, you have yeah. Pet Quell or Pet Vet, Paper Records. So everybody's just <laughs> everywhere. Yep. <laughs> I imagine every once in a while you're like, where is that? Wait a minute. No, that's not the right program. Yes. Different software. This yeah. is via, this is not Cornerstone. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't logged out so many times and then it's, it's just half the time it's a mess. I have to get somebody to log me in every single time I'm getting ready to type a record. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like, it's like, wait a minute, how do I do this again? Wait, was this my password at this clinic? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had that problem when I was doing, um, I was seeing some behavior cases in a, in a, uh, a clinic in Charlotte and I was starting to come more readily. So I would have, to, I had my login information for their stuff, but I had my login information for another hospital. And then I started, I, I literally was like, wait a minute, this is not the right login. Wait, I need, I had to go back through my emails and like, how do I log in again? Cause then I went, then COVID hit and I would only come like oh, once gosh. a month or once every other month. And then I'm, forget mm -hmm. it, forget it. <laughs> Too many, too many, too many logins, too many passwords, too many things to click on for me to remember. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I am surprised that, um, there isn't this shift in more relief work in terms of vet nurses, vet assistants and technicians altogether and doctors, because, um, I feel like with the, it's such a high stress environment for mm -hmm. The people that are there, you know, um, often they're overworked and underpaid and um, they really do. When you bring in relief work, it really is a sense of relief to the staff a lot of yes. times because you're fresh. Like you can handle things that they don't want to handle. Like they don't want to yes. deal with, you know, Mrs. Smith who has called and she's bipolar and we're not sure if it's the really, really nice Mrs. Smith today who loves everyone yes. and wants to hug you when she walks in the door or it's. I'm off my meds today and I'm just freaking out and I'm going to take it out on somebody. Right. Yeah. So often having a relief person that comes in, um, alleviates that because the relief person's like, I got it. I'm good. You know, I'm yes. fresh. I don't have the day to day in and out stress of dealing with the same clients over and over again that you guys do. And I can handle this. And I feel like it takes a burden off their shoulders. I mean, yes. I loved that role doing um, relief work, relief nursing work, because it'd be like, um, you know, the, the one video you have were like, yes, I'm sorry. You, you know, you're not talking to her. You're talking to me now. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'd be like, listen, so you told Kelly that, um, she could take her recommendation recommendation to have fluffy seen by the vet and shove it up her fluffy hole. Um, so you don't get to talk to Kelly anymore. We're going to, we're going to talk to me now. So, so let's, let's, let's take this down a notch here. And, but truly though, I I'm surprised there hasn't been kind of a, an uprise in, in yeah. all relief positions because it is, it's kind of, nice to just hand that off sometimes. And, you know, sometimes you just walk in and you're like, what can I do to help you? Like, what do you yes. need? You know, wh how can I help you? And yes. they're, they're like, wait, 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 what? You know? Yeah, seriously. Give me your hardest yes. task. Let's, let's knock this out. You know, <laughs> do you feel that way? Yeah, that's how I am with Gaston. So <clears throat> there's a lot of clients that they've told me about that they really just don't really care to see um, just because they're very, they take up a lot of time overall. And some of them, they just don't want to see those doctors overall. Uh, sometimes they don't really want to even see a relief vet, but um, typically when there is one doctor only there and they don't want to see that doctor, the only other doctor would be me <laughs> for them to see. So they're like, they're probably not going to like you or whatnot. Then I go in there and then they talk praises of me. And then they're probably like, well, I'm glad that they like you because now you could be the one that they see. <laughs> <So> <laughs> ding, ding, you win. Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> so they're always happy whenever... The clients that they don't really want to deal with love me because then I'll yeah. end up being the one that's going to be seeing them later on. <laughs> so, yep, exactly. But I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm only here, what, two or three days out of the week and then you have to deal with the rest of the week. So. Yep. <laughs> but hey, it keeps you from having to like fire clients because sometimes exactly. it just takes a different personality or something yes. like that to kind of bring them back down to let them realize that everybody's human here. We're not out to get exactly. you, you know. Exactly. So that's really good. So, yeah. all right, let now, me shift it back. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm going to shift it back to the topic. And um, uh, I want to hear how you kind of got started. Like, what made you decide to take um, take all of your experiences to social? Yeah, so it was that right after I graduated med school, because we were in the COVID stages. So, because I'm yeah. a COVID grad, 
class of 2020. I bet that was interesting. Yes, it was. So uh, before you, my internship, were you Virginia Tech? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so after we graduated, well, before we graduated, because um, we really had a was having a virtual graduation, we didn't really graduate uh, walking across the stage. So we were packing up, getting ready to go home, and everything. So I started my platform then. At that point, um, just seeing like what would work. I didn't know because. I'm into bodybuilding, I'm into powerlifting, um, yeah. love veterinary medicine. So I was just, um, I love acting when I was in high school. I was in theater, you know, throughout all four years. I just love doing dramas. So I was just seeing like what would catch, you know, audiences, the audience out there and what they really enjoyed seeing. And so I could definitely see my content with anything veterinary related would be at the highest. So that's where I started, you know, utilizing things where, you know, I was an assistant or things that I saw when I was a kennel staff or the chronic things that receptionists deal with whenever they come in. And I just started seeing that's what got most of my views. Um, and I just stuck with that since then and tried to create a platform where, because in the beginning, I didn't know if it was going to be what it was going to be related to. But then as time grew on, I started to see, hey, hearing about more burnout that's going on with clinicians but not one more vet that's going on. And I was trying to create a platform where we all could, you know, come together, see everything that, you know, that we deal with on a daily basis, but try to find humor into it that could at least alleviate some stress that we dealt with throughout the day. Um, and that's what I utilize my platform for, just trying to make everybody's day happy. If I can make, my motto is, if I can make one person laugh a day, then I've done my job for the day. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, especially in the veterinary community, because we're just so burnt, so we're overworked, so burnt out overall. Um, and if I could just relieve some stress to get some people to laugh throughout the day, um, it would just make my life even better overall. Yeah, I'd say you're accomplishing that. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think th the <laughs> other thing that you're doing that's really great, too, again, is bringing some empathy to that world in terms of, you know, people that have no idea what goes on behind the scenes or have no idea about the suicide rate and the depression and the burnout and the anxiety and the lack of self-care for, um, for the vet industry overall. I think the way that you kind of do things brings empathy to that because it's not enough to like truly offend a pet parent when they're like, Oh my God, that's me, you know? <laughs> but at yes. the same time, it's like, Oh, that's really funny. And Oh, okay. Yes. That's really true. You know, that's, that's, you bring it about in a way that it's not offensive. It's not, you know, pointing yes. fingers. It's not, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a fun way to help pull in that, that human thread. Let, yes. I, I would say from pet parents and other people that have no concept of, again, kind of what goes on behind the scenes in the vet field and how bad exactly. it is, yes. you know? Exactly. Yeah. So do you have any specific goals in terms of like how many people you want to reach if you want to get other clinics to build their audiences as well? Anything from that side of things? Um, not a particular goal. Um, definitely a lot of clinics, that, mostly all the relief clinics that I've been to, they all either follow me or um, have already been in contact with me. Some of them, I, don't, I haven't even got my schedule yet but they've already told me that I'm supposed to be coming to them in November, December to do relief Oh, nice. Yet. So I'm like, well, that's good to know ahead of time. So, um, but it's definitely great. The great thing I like about it is the clinics that I do reach really all across the world. Um, it's just 
crazy that you can really go nationwide with you know the information that you put out there and present yourself with overall um i'm currently right now trying to finish my getting my license in south carolina so i can mm. do some relief work out there too um overall but um not as particular number I like to reach, but I definitely feel like I'm pretty much, if I did have a number, I probably already, you know, exceeded that, which I thought I would, but I'm super happy with the results that I've already had so far and pleased with, you know, um, what everybody's told me in the future. Yeah, you're crushing it. And that's awesome. And um, is there, are, are there any um, particular topics that you like to focus on the most or any favorites that you have when you're making videos? Yeah, so um, definitely, but a lot of a lot of the videos I try to focus on, I try to really deal with what um, a particular week or a particular day that I've had during that week with my staff. So most majority of my videos deal with either my staff or myself personally, what I've dealt with that day. Um, so um, I really try to see, you know, what my technicians or assistants do throughout the day and try to find something funny that each day to where I can incorporate it into, you know, a good, you know, video. So typically like my vet tech videos, the ones that are cutting sections are different things that have occurred throughout that week um, that somebody has done or an assistant has has did overall. Um, so I really love just joking about my vet techs and vet assistants. Uh, they used to always pick on me because I hate drawing blood if it's not from the jugular. Oh, really? Um, yes. And it has to be a dog. If it's a jugular. Um, if there's a staff in this thing, I am going to struggle like crazy. If it's a cat, the only time I will really get it on a cat is if I'm severely under pressure. Because <laughs> so, um, then you're not thinking about it. You're not stuck in, in your own get, head. Yes. Yes. And if I collect it, I let them know. I'm like, okay, this, I draw one blood sample a month. So this is my month. <laughs> Drop the syringe and walk away. So, <laughs> So they're always joking when I'm like, yeah, I drew this blood by myself. Nobody was helping me. And then all my technicians come back because they know good and well. They're like, who helped you? You know good and well you did not do that. <laughs> uh, so it's so funny. I just That's great. And I, I imagine like the, the, yeah. the techs and the other vets that you work with, they're like, I need to watch what I do and say because I'm going to end up a TikTok skit. Yes. <laughs> or they go in there and they're <laughs> they like, always oh, that. that's me. <laughs> <laughs> they always say it. I'm like, I'm always watching, uh -huh. so you never know when you're like flipping out your notepad up. and you're like, mm, let's see what you're doing over there. <laughs> you think I'm taking notes, but I'm definitely taking other right. notes. <laughs> <clears throat> don't don't mind this. <laughs> don't, that's not. A, I'm not taking video. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I bet they have a lot of fun with it. But also, too, you probably inspire a lot of other vet staff members to put stuff out there, too, and to feel, like, really comfortable about that and feel yeah. good about doing that. And I think one of the major benefits to that is everybody needs an outlet, you know, for stress, especially with all the burnout mm -hmm. and everything happening. And so um, it's, it's kind of nice that you're probably opening that door for some of those staff members to feel comfortable doing that as well, to where they have an outlet. But there's also... Um, you're a good role model to where it's like, we're not going on Instagram and doing a live rant about how we hate this and this sucks and blah, blah, blah. We're finding a yes. positive and productive outlet for it too. So I think that's pretty cool. So hopefully, yes. hopefully some of the the texts and the, the other vets and the assistants that you work with are like, okay, I can do this. This is a good, a good thing for me. Yes, they definitely do. And they are very appreciative overall. Um, and so a lot of them have either 
if they didn't have social media, they definitely have started now at this point, um, which is a great thing. And I'm like, just get your information out there. Um, I mean, the people, if they love it, they're going to come. They're going to continue to come. I mean, I started out definitely with TikTok where I had what, 100 followers. And now I'm at what, going on 134,000. So it's it's a slow process, but definitely as long as you keep reaching the audience, I mean, they're going to be the ones to support you overall. So just get the information out there because the information needs to be out there. Yeah, it does. And I think um, authenticity is the key as well, because that's what's going to keep your people around. I've noticed, you know, I work um, in the behavior industry. And so I've noticed that a lot of it's it's like the new thing, like these dog trainers that are coming up and these behavior professionals that are coming up. um, People are starting to learn the difference between behavior cases versus training cases and things like that. But the one trend that I'm seeing is so many people buying their subscribers and buying their likes. And the problem is, is that you're going to you're going to get your followers, up, your followers up. Um, and, but yes. you're not going to land sponsorships or anything like that, or advertisers, or you're not going to yes. get your message to anybody that's of importance because mm-hmm. those aren't authentic followers. They're not people that are there because they really enjoy yes. your content. So, um, that's one of the things that yes. I mentioned to people that are like, Oh, I want to get started or I want to do this. Great. Don't buy your followers. Don't, don't sign exactly. up for one of those accounts where half of them come from a country and they've got 20 of their own accounts that they use to like and follow and engage you because you're not, you're not really actually reaching your target audience. But, um, I think a lot of people feel like it's a race to the top. Like, Oh, I've got to get a hundred thousand followers really fast. What do I need to do? Um, but I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, would you agree? You you don't need that. You don't need to, you know, you can, you can slow pace it and then build a authentic community. Yes, definitely. I, I tell people the same thing. It's it's really not worth it because your audience is going to be totally thrown off. And then if those accounts are not really even authenticated, they're going to get deleted. So then over time, your follower count is going to wind up dropping too, um, <clears throat> which is leads, going to lead you back into where you started to begin with. So I always say just start with a fresh slate. It just takes time. Hey, it's been, what, two years for me to even reach where I've mm-hmm. been. And it's, as long as you're posting consistent content. Um, and I mean, you don't have to post like even on TikTok, I tell people really not to post that many videos in a day. Um, just because how the algorithm works, you know, if you're posting three videos in one day, um, those videos, whenever you do post something new, all those other videos are going to start flooding where every, especially if other people start coming in and liking all those videos you posted previously, those are going to go to the top of the algorithm where your newest video you just posted is going to be probably one of the last ones people are mm. going to see because now your older videos are more top priority. So typically I try to post at least on there once or twice a week overall. And then once I see those videos somewhat trending downward, it lets me know like, Hey, it's time for me to post something new, some more new content overall. Um, but yeah, I try not to, I tell people definitely don't buy followers, don't engage and buy subscriptions for that purpose because it's only going to hurt you in the long run overall. And you're just going to get a whole lot of unwanted ads, you know, and even more subscriptions too um, that are not really legitimate overall for you. Yeah. And and then you're not really, um, you're not really having the impact that you might be looking for. And that's the big thing. Like you're not really exactly. talking to people that are listening or that want to listen. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> 
Goodness. Well, um, in terms of uh, any plans moving forward, uh, I know that you're going to put dermatology potentially on hold a little bit, but um, anything else aside from just kind of living the relief dream right now in the future? Uh, um, nothing as of right now I'm planning since I am relief. Uh, I love, I've been loving the islands. So I've, I've been in Bahamas. Um, I've been to Jamaica. Oh, nice. I've been to Hawaii. So I've been Becoming an island boy, I'm trying to plan, you know, my first cruise since I, I'm kind of scared to be out in the water that far. So I've been pushing that on the back burner for, <laughs> for the longest time. <laughs> I was supposed to take it last month and then I was like, uh, I'll, I'll wait a little bit longer. Um, so <laughs> you got to get out there. It's beautiful. Enjoying my time off <laughs> and everything. So um, planning to just take like a lot more vacations and just exploring a little bit more since I have a lot more free time than I was when I was an associate. Yeah, no kidding. I bet it. I bet it opened the books up a lot. So good for you. Yeah, taking in experiences. Yes. Yes. Have you done? Um, have you ever done anything outside of the um, country in terms of um, whether through volunteer work or vet relief work outside of the U.S.? Um, no, I have not at all. Even when I was in vet school, I didn't. Um, I forget what it was called, but um, I didn't get to do that in vet school either. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. Well, any other uh, information that you want to leave? So any clients that are our clients, <laughs> I need more coffee <laughs> clinics, any clinics that are out there, not clients that um, you want to give a little, uh, a little nudge to a little support to that they're thinking about starting their social media channel or putting more attention forward with it to get more client education out there. Any bit of advice that you want to give them to kind of help them in the right direction with doing that? Yes. Just, just go for it. Just start. Um, start small. Um, I always say if you have your whatever clinic, whatever you want to start with, just get if the, even if it's your own staff, that's the main you know followers that you have at that point. Um, just get things started, get it out there and get them to start sharing that information, because once they start sharing it, other people see your posts and then they'll come directed to your profile. So that's what I always recommend starting with especially in smaller clinics or private practices, because they're not that big. Um, but the more that you get out there, the more that people are going to be drawn into your content, which means the more clients that you're most likely going to be seeing at that point. Yeah. And the um, it, it, keeping in mind too, that every staff member that you have has a different audience, has eyes that are not the same as yes. the eyes that are on your, your hospital or your clinic page. So you can take advantage of those audiences exactly. if they're sharing the information as well. And they're behind the, the behind the clinic's exactly. mission there to get that out there. So, yes. well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really, really appreciate it. It's You're been welcome. a pleasure, Dr. Greg Eccles. And I'm definitely going to put your um, TikTok and your Instagram information linked in the show notes so everybody can have as much fun enjoying your videos and a break from the <laughs> daily grind as I do. I think you're definitely reaching your goal of making plenty of people, not just one person, laugh every single day. So oh, we appreciate you. you very, very much. <laughs> thank you. I greatly appreciate it.